One of the best practices that I have adopted in the past few years was around Christmas and New Year's to think back through the past year and kind of explain the things that went well, the things that didn't, and the lessons that I can take from this year and apply for the very next year. And so I'd like to do it this time in podcast form for Arcos Analytics and what we have done and what we have learned along the way in working with clients, working with partners, and delivering on projects. You are listening to the Healthcare Analytics Podcast with me, Caleb Loya, and my teammate Tatsuya Murao. There are two specific categories that I would like to put these lessons into. The first is what I'm going to call general lessons. And these general lessons are general lessons that we have learned while serving clients, creating data tools, and everything else that we do here at Arcos Analytics. The other category is technical lessons. And these involve specific tools, uh, technologies, and specific cases where we have applied technology to develop data tools and analytics. The general lessons that I have learned this year involve a series of different things, but one of the most important was just understanding who is in charge. When we're working on a specific project, it's sometimes very, very difficult when you're entering a new organization to understand who's in charge, who's calling the shots, who has the technical capabilities, etc. And so one of the things that I learned early on when taking on bigger projects with Arcos is who is the person that has the most influence? Because that person with the most influence will then determine how a specific project is carried out. And so sometimes it can be the CFO and the CFO is the one who has influence, but sometimes it's the CFO who wants to have a project done in a certain way, but there is somebody else who is making sure that the project is executed in the right way. And so you can have a CFO who specifically wants something to be done, but then it's a director underneath them who actually carries it out. And and so when it comes to a specific project in analytics, It could be the advice of the director who is more important than the CFO, even though ultimately the project is for the executive team and the CFO. That's one example, but there can be a various uh, amount of examples to where I've been in situations where we're working through a project and the person with the most influence was the database manager because they actually knew some technical capabilities that brought together different systems. And so that person was the lead for the project, even though on paper, the person who was leading the project was the director of finance. So it's important to know who's in charge. And secondly, Who is supporting that person who is in charge? And so if you get into a specific place within any organization where you're wondering, okay, who's calling the shots? What's going on here? Where is the influence being uh, directed, et cetera? Then it's very, very important to take a step back and say, okay, on a technical level, who does what? And so if you have a database administrator, then that database administrator does everything with the database. If you have somebody in analytics, then maybe they're working on Python or a data visualization tool. If you have somebody who is more client facing, then they're working to make sure that all the criteria of the project is being met. 
And if you have a project lead, then that's the person who can gather the right resources to make that happen. And so you have to understand that specific people have specific roles, but sometimes influence is found in very, very unique places. And so it takes um, some understanding about how organizations work and how a project can be fulfilled while making everybody satisfied with the project. So that's one of the first lessons that I learned early on this year is make sure you know who's in charge, who is the one who has the most influence, and then where are the technical capabilities within an organization to deliver on a project and partner with you to deliver on the project that needs to be done. The other thing that I learned is related to this, but what you want to do is you want to engage with understanding the most important pieces of a specific project when it comes to analytics. And so you need to determine upfront, first of all, who are the key players? And then second of all, what is the greatest value add? Sometimes that is very, very difficult to determine if it's hidden underneath certain layers. And earlier in June, I worked with a team to improve their financial reporting. But one of the things that wasn't articulated at the very beginning of the project was that the database that was underlying the financial data needed to be reworked. And so the greatest value was not delivering on the front-end report, but it was reorganizing the data in the database so that it could present the right numbers for front-end data visualization. But if at first we can determine what all the problems are, then it's very, very difficult to determine, okay, where's the greatest value add for our time and for our energy and for our resources? Where can we start putting them into action in order to get the greatest value? And there are many different resources that you can rely on as far as determining what is the greatest value add. But I would recommend just starting with Scrum, the book Scrum, or any other types of Scrum methodologies in order to determine where to start and where to iterate from. The third thing that I will put into the bucket of general lessons learned is to start with the end goal. And so when you're starting to engage in a project and beginning with a project, then many people can start to articulate the problems and they say, okay, well, this is a problem and this is a problem and this is a problem. And we have all these problems between our systems and the reports that we're showing and it's inefficient, et cetera. And the number of problems can increase drastically. And so think about it like a stack of papers on your desk. All those pieces of paper are a specific set of problems that you have to solve for this one project. But it's very, very difficult if you're looking at a stack of problems to understand which ones are the most important, which ones are the fundamental. Because in most cases, if you take care of one fundamental problem, then many of the other problems go away. And so suppose you have that stack of papers. If you can solve for two or three or four of those, then the stack of problems in this case can go away or at least be minimized. And that's what we want to do when we're starting a project is we want to be able to articulate the core problems so that all of the other micro problems that are sitting on top of that one core problem can be resolved. This is a very common practice in many different professions, but most notably it's very common 
in healthcare where a doctor can assess a specific disease or a specific symptom and get to the root cause of that symptom. Because once we get to the root cause, then a lot of other things can be taken care of. And so if a person isn't getting enough sleep or isn't eating well or whatever, there are many things that can be caused by not enough sleep, not drinking water, or not eating well. And so in general, if we're doing the fundamental things well, then we can start to build from there. I am now going to shift over to the technical lessons that we have learned this year. There have been many new technologies that have come out in this past year that have been game-changing. And there are some technologies that have been improved to a point to where they're much more easily usable. But one of the things that we found out early on um, is that you have to choose the right tools for your needs. And this may seem very, very general, but we were working with a clinic in Canada earlier this year, and one of their needs was that they needed a data visualization tool that connected in through an API to their proprietary ERP, or Enterprise Resource Planning Software. And so if they didn't choose the right tool, then it would very it would be very, very difficult to build onto that tool. And so if they chose, for example, a data visualization tool to be connected into their ERP, um, and that data visualization tool was Tableau, for example, then there are a series of decisions that are made based on choosing a specific tool like Tableau. The same when you choose something like AWS or Microsoft or any other thing is that when it comes to analytics, sometimes you're just choosing an analytical tool, but sometimes you're choosing a set of tools based on uh, your specific needs. And so I'll give a good example is that when it comes to Microsoft Power BI, Microsoft Power BI is a tool set within a series of tools for Microsoft. And so they call them the Power Power Tools or Power Apps. And so you have Power BI, you have another set of tools called Power Apps, you have Power Automate, and you have uh, data flows and everything else that goes into Microsoft Azure. And so if you choose something like Microsoft Power BI, then it's a lot easier to work with other tools that are adjacent to Microsoft Power BI. And the same goes with Tableau. If you use Tableau, then maybe you're using systems like Snowflake or Arcteryx or other systems that can automate the data flow process or the ETL process. So if you choose the right tool, then a lot of other decisions can be made based on that tool. But it it takes some understanding about what tool you need to use for your immediate needs and then what tool you can use to build on top of for the future, for future use. So I have a lot of examples where there is a CFO or an executive team that wants to switch from an Excel-based reporting system to where they just have Excel sheets that they use for board reporting, for quarterly reporting, and monthly reporting, that they want to switch over to something more robust, like a data visualization tool like Tableau or Power BI. And most executive teams, directors, or leaders will start with a specific data visualization tool because that's all they know. They're like, oh, this looks really neat and nice and I can use it the way that I want. So why don't I just choose this tool? But 
one of the things that is very, very difficult to understand is that when you choose that tool, then there are also a lot of other decisions you make based on that specific tool. And so if you choose, for example, Tableau, that means that you need Tableau to connect into your system so that's so that it's automated and you need a way to make it work in the right way. Another technical lesson that we have learned this year is about developing projects and developing tools that are easy to hand off and easy to understand. And so many times I've worked with teams where we are handed a series of previous work that comes in code or projects or examples or spreadsheets that is very, very difficult to parse out. Only the people within the organization know how to make heads or tails out of, let's say, an Excel spreadsheet or a a specific set of code in SQL or Python. And the benefit to having code that nobody can understand but yourself is that only you understand it, right? And so within an organization, you are irreplaceable if only you can understand how to make a specific change to, let's say, a Python code or a specific query in SQL. And the other thing is, is that sometimes it's easier to do it that way because you understand what terminology and you understand what you're doing with the code as a developer. And so all you have to do is when you get a request to make a change to a specific query, you can do that really quickly. But when you hand off that specific query to somebody else to work on and to develop and to add on to, then it becomes very, very difficult and it becomes difficult to scale. If you are accepting a new piece of work or code or whatever it is, and you can't decipher what it is, then it's very, very difficult to even build on top of it. And sometimes it takes even tearing it down to its most fundamental level and building it back up, depending on what you're wanting to do. And so one of the things we learned in this framework is to develop tools that are easy to hand off and easy to build on top of. And one of the ways we do this is that when we're building out dashboards or anything else, that we separate out the metrics and we articulate what each specific metric is. And so anybody who has knowledge of a data visualization tool that we're using can look and say, okay, I understand what they're doing here. And this follows this and this follows this. Instead of a glob of code or or a specific set of calculations that are very, very difficult to decipher. In this way, every single step is articulated. And so within a specific report, they can look and say, okay, this measure has this calculation and this measure has this calculation. And then these two are related in this way. And so so what we learned in short was that we want to make it easy to hand off and we want to make it easy to build on top of. Because ultimately, it's a client who is going to use it. And so if a client is frustrated with the tool that they're adopting, then they're not going to like it very, very well. And more so, they may feel like they have to rework something that they already paid for. And that is a very, very bad feeling that if you buy something and you think you have to do more work on it, then it's like, well, why did I even put the effort into buying it in the first place. It's like getting a half done car. It's like you get a car, but it doesn't have a transmission. It's like, okay, great. Now I have to find a transmission to throw in this car and the transmission has to fit into these different criteria. And my car is a very, very unique car. It's like, well, good luck finding that transmission, man. Like, cause it's just very, very difficult. 
I know that's a far-fetched example, but what I'm trying to explain is that when you buy something or when you do any development in analytics, the goal is to have it be almost out of the box. And so it can easily be transferred and easily built on top of. That way, you can have projects within your organization that are interchangeable. And so you can say, oh, I see how they did this in this specific analytics tool. Now can I take this and can I apply to something else? And that's what we want to do is we want to make it so that it's very, very easy to apply concepts and metrics from one specific tool to another. Going alongside this same train of thought is about documenting your work. Now, I have been part of countless analytics projects where we did not get the right documentation in order to take the project to the next level. And so in any handoff, the documentation is very, very important because it articulates what has been done, where you can make changes, and how things can be improved. And the more detailed the documentation, the better. One of the ways that I have found to do really effective documentation is just to do a screen share. It could be a meeting that's recorded or it could be just an audio recording, but a way to document visually and audibly the different things that have been done for a specific data tool. And so in any project, there's a handoff meeting, right? Well, usually there is if it's a good good implementation or the team that's leading it is effective in developing. So there's a handoff meeting and all you really have to do is just hit the record button on that meeting and record every single development step that was done for that specific tool. And we've done that before. We've been able to have a handoff meeting, have a screen share and show, okay, now at what level do we need to show this documentation? If it's for the executive team, then what we really need to show is, okay, here's this report, here's how it's built. These are the metrics that are going to this report, and then this is the data feeding it. But sometimes the documentation is more detailed to where we're handing off a data set to a specific data team, and so they need to understand, okay, how does this query work, and how does this query work with another query, and how does this code do what it's supposed to do? And so there are various amounts of detail that you can include when it comes to documentation But one of the things that I would recommend is just when you have a handoff meeting, just record that handoff meeting and be sure to ask those who are developing the tool the specific questions you want to know. And since those are recorded, then you can also ask for more detail, right? And so you can say, hey, I want to know how this data set is being constructed. And after they explain it, then can you say, okay, can you put that into words or articulate that in notes within the code so that somebody going along in a year or two can look back and say, oh, okay, I know exactly what they're doing. Documentation is so important because what it can do is it can save you so many hours of digging into something that somebody already worked on. And so what you don't want to do is you don't want to have somebody work on a specific data tool not create documentation. And then six months, a year later, you have to have somebody else to decipher what's going on so that they can build on top of it. And sometimes it takes, in my experience, suppose it takes two hours to develop an advanced query at the very, very most. 
if if there's no documentation, then it could take another developer an hour just to understand what's going on. And so there's half of your time just on one query that's spent on just learning how that worked in the first place. If there was good documentation, then that hour spent on trying to learn what was done could be cut down from an hour to 15 minutes. And that is the beauty of good documentation. The last thing that we learned on a technical level was that there are a lot more tools coming out that join databases and data sets to data visualization tools. And more so than that is that there are now specific out-of-the-box AI algorithms that you can use to determine predictive analytics. So what I'm talking about is that suppose you're working off of AWS then there are many other tools that you can use with AWS to create models that can help you predict, let's say, help you predict your revenue. And that is an out-of-the-box AI model. The other thing you could do is you could use AWS and you could connect it with their data visualization tool. And so it's all within AWS. And so on a technical level, what we're learning is that a lot of big organizations like, let's say, Microsoft, uh, Amazon, uh, and other organizations are building tools within their environment that can work seamlessly. And I don't see this stopping anytime in the near future. And as I think back to the year 2021, in reality, there have been a lot of new additions to analytics, but nothing absolutely extraordinary. There's new technology that, that has come out. But in reality, what it's coming down to is to take technologies that have been developed and tools that have been developed and apply them in new cases. And so we have worked with healthcare organizations to apply new data tools in a way that help them make better decisions. And in helping them make better decisions, there have been many lessons that we have learned about how to work with larger and medium-sized organizations in a way that makes a greater impact. The other is just starting with an end goal, that when we begin a project that we want to understand what their end goal is and what we can do to help them deliver the greatest value and get the greatest value out of their tools that they they have. The third is uh, on a technical level to choose the right tools, to choose the right set of tools that are best for our clients and to document our implementation so that when the handoff process is done, that the handoff is seamless and that it doesn't waste a lot of time, that we can become partners that develop tools and create them and then hand them off to others to use, to build on, and to to grow with. So that's all I have for the year 2021. For some of us, it's been a great year, and for some of us, it's been a year of learning, and For me, it's been a little bit of both. There has been places where I could afford to learn more and there are places that we have done really, really well. So I'd like to leave you there. If you have any questions or thoughts about this year or anything that you have learned about analytics in this past year or two, feel free to reach out to me at caleb at arcosanalytics.com or todd at tad at arcosanalytics.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn or Twitter if you just search for Arcos Analytics. Thanks, and we will talk to you later.